God's word today, let us turn to Psalm chapter 11, verse 7. For the Lord is righteous, he loves justice, upright men will see his face. Again, for the Lord is righteous, he loves justice, upright men will see his face. And then let us turn to Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. God is the righteous one. God is the righteous one. God is the righteous one. For he is righteous, he loves righteous works. He loves justice, as we just read. For the Lord is righteous, he loves justice. And those who are made fruits of righteousness through Jesus Christ and give glory to God, he wants to reward them by allowing them to see the face of the Lord. I shall see the face of the Lord. Where do we see his face? In heaven, before his throne, we may see the face of the Lord, and that is a great reward for us. That if we have become the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God, we will be rewarded in such way. So faith is to believe that only by faith alone we have been made righteous and are justified. As I spoke before, if you have been justified by faith, meaning I am a branch of righteousness, as mentioned in Jeremiah 23.5. It mentions the branch of righteousness. So faith life is, by doing these righteous works, it is to bear righteous fruits, the fruits of righteousness to give glory to God, and living a life to see the face of our Lord. So it is the result of faith. What is the result of believing? What will we receive? John chapter 15, 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Do you want to become a disciple of Jesus Christ? So if you bear much fruit, you will give glory to God and become a disciple of Jesus. Do you want to become a disciple of Jesus? Or you may say, I can't become a martyr. That's not possible for me. But the result of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ is doing what the teacher does and going where the teacher goes. So to all creation, there is a principle of creation, the vine and branch and fruits, the vine and branch and fruits. Their shapes, uh, functions, and ages are different. Um, but what they share in common is the sap. So those so the vine, the branch, and the fruits, what they share in common is the sap. And though they may grow and appear at different times, the purpose is the same in that both the vine and the branch, they toil to bear fruit. The vine through the roots may absorb nutrients and water, and the branches absorb sunlight. Um, but all these processes are done in order to produce fruit. And the result of the vine is the fruit 
the result of the branch is the fruit. So the result and showcase of the both the vine and branch are the fruit. So regarding the vine, the branch, and fruit, Jesus said, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And therefore, it is important to which vine or tree you are attached. In the spiritual heaven, there was the archangel Luciel, who was very handsome and beautiful. He did the works of praising God, and he himself was praised, and he became arrogant. And in his heart, he had a desire to become like God and wanted to lift his throne up and sit on the throne to be the Most High and to have this heart to receive praises from all other angels. He was originally Luciel, but was named Lucifer, and he also has the title Satan, referring to being an enemy of God. So God created the universe where he cast down the devil to be held here for the great day of judgment, and that is what he decided. So God created this universe, and inside he created the earth, and then he created humans from the dust. And into one man he breathed the breath of life, and that man became a living being, Adam. He told him, you can eat anything uh, for the flesh, but you, the living being, Adam, the spirit with flesh, the spiritual being, the flesh can eat anything in the garden, but you must not forget that inside of you is the soul, and the soul must live according to the word of God. And that word was to not eat the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there was the devil in the form of a serpent who wanted to deceive mankind and wanted to bring mankind with him to hell. So that's why he approached Adam and Eve. The devil was initially an archangel who sinned in the spiritual heaven and was cast down to this universe where he is referred to as the devil. So the devil led Adam and Eve to sin, saying that you too will be like God. He led them to commit the same sin he did. So, and after they ate, they became slaves of the devil and were bound to hell. The result of sin was to go to hell. Also, before going to hell, while here in the universe, they were punished in they were punished to toil and labor. So before that, there was no such thing as toil and labor, and they could enjoy anything in the garden. But after sin and disobedience, they were cursed with labor and toil. Eve as well, the woman would have to endure the pains of child labor. It says, painful labor, you will give birth to children. So this would be for the, the curse on the woman. And for the man, it says, painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. 
So this is the curse that befell the man and woman as a result of sin. However, the flesh, no matter how much it eats, it is bound to die. There is an expiration date and that toil is therefore meaningless since from dust they came, to dust they shall return. So from the moment the flesh breathes its last, it returns to dust and shows how meaningless toil and life is. As a result, all events afterwards showed this. Noah also labored. He toiled and God found him as righteous as he had these conditions to be considered a, a righteous man. So God revealed to him his schedule regarding the great flood that would wipe out all animals and humans from the earth. So this was a warning he was given, but by faith and in fear, he labored and toiled to build the ark and for how many years did he build? After some calculation, it was around 70 years that he built the ark. All the other people did not know or hear this news, but Noah and his family labored to carry out the instructions they were given to build the ark. There were people who probably questioned and mocked them and said, you're crazy, why build an ark when there's no rain? So they labored, plus received mockery and criticism. But was this labor and toil meaningless? Was it in vain? It was not, because as prophesied, there was a great deluge that wiped out the whole world except Noah and his family who were saved. So the toil and labor of Noah was not in vain. Genesis 5.29, it says, he will comfort us in labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. So his labor, the labor that the Lord commands, was indeed not in vain, as we read here, and that he was comforted uh, in their labor and painful toil. Later, there was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob toiled since birth. Other babies are born as the mother pushes, but Jacob was different in that he was a twin and he grasped the heel of his brother. That's how he came out. He labored since birth and that is why his name means he grasps the heel. He grasps the heel. So even from his mother's womb, he grasped his brother's heel wanting to come out with him. Then his life afterwards also revealed and displayed this toil. Um, he took his brother's birthright and lived as a slave at his uncle's place for 20 years. Then uh, during that time, he was uh, later on given a revelation. And then there was uh, this uh, process of uh, removing speckled or spotted sheep or goat from the flock. And through it, uh, we see that Jacob's labor and toil was not in vain and not meaningless. So we see from these men of faith that though they labored and toiled, they were blessed in the end as God was with them and blessed them. So on his way back to his homeland, in the past, he has stolen his brother's blessing, and when 
he heard his brother and 400 men were coming to meet him, Jacob was very frightened and worried as he thought it was to kill and get rid of him. And he was worried that this was the end of him. And uh, which river was it? It was at the Jabbok River where he sent away all his possessions and uh, that he accumulated throughout all those years. Uh, also his family and wives, he sent them across the uh, river. He started with the servants of his wives. So there were a lot of servants back then. So from the least important to the most important, perhaps he sent them across. Then he sent uh, the, so the servants of his wives, the female servants in order of importance. And after he sent them all away across the river and he was then left alone. He had nothing left except his life, his breath. But all night he prayed, he put his life on the line and then an angel appeared and uh, he prayed, bless me, bless me till daybreak and he, then he was struck in the hip socket. So he was struck in the socket of the hip and um, so as a result of the struggle with the angel and the angel um, and him wrestled they struggled but the angel said wow you sure are something you beat me okay now he he named he was named israel israel jacob means to grasp the heel it's a name of toil of toiling but after he overcame the struggle he, he was acknowledged and recognized and his name uh, was then israel the name that was delivered to him by an angel to Jacob was Israel. Israel, which means he has struggled with God and humans and has overcome. This is the name he received. But before that, to receive this blessing, he laid down his possessions and family. And then in return, he was able to gain it all back. Wow. It did not just end there, but now his descendants, Jacob, who, who became Israel, his descendants were the Israelites. They wound up as slaves in Egypt somehow. Slaves, meaning they had no rights or possessions of their own. They had to toil. That no matter how hard they worked, however, nothing would be theirs. There were no timesheets or overtime. Uh, like we do nowadays, but how, uh, however much they worked as slaves, they would have no gain or no possessions. And this is what they became for 400 years. But at the end of that 400 years, when the time came, God sent the man named Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. Uh, that night, it was not just the Israelites who left, but God showed favor on the people of Israel. And as a result, the Egyptians gave all their riches and possessions at the request of the Israelites that night. So all the jewels and precious stones at their request, they gave it all up as God showed favor on the Israelites. So even though they labored for 400 years as slaves, we see how they were blessed and rewarded with the great exodus. This was all a foreshadow of what was to come for the believers of today.
And afterwards, they were led into the desert, the wilderness, where they were given the law. Was it an easy law to keep? It was very, very difficult. Not only the Ten Commandments, but there were also 613 points to the law that they had to keep. What was especially difficult to keep was the Sabbath. It may have seemed easy to keep initially, for the Lord rested on the seventh day. They too shall rest on the seventh day. To not work, how good is that? That if all of you were given a command to not work on a specific day, you would be like hallelujah. But at that time, it was ingrained in them to work and labor from their enslaved background. So they couldn't be still. So whatever the reason was, they... Uh, however, they were not to work, but if they did, they would be stoned to death. If someone went to pick up branches, that too would be considered work, and they would therefore be punished and put to death, for God commanded them not to work on the Sabbath. This was all to show the fruit that results from toil and labor. This was instilled in them that whatever they did not work or toil for, it would not be theirs. So on the Sabbath, they were not to pick grain and, it's a, and not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. This was all to show toil and fruit, toil and its result, the fruit and result of labor. And if you were 100% guaranteed a good result and fruit of your labor, then wouldn't that be good? that you've toiled and labored and you've received results and good fruit, then that is hallelujah. Then uh, we see in Ecclesiastes, um, there were people like Solomon who wrote meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, that everything is meaningless under the sun. That from birth until childhood, adulthood, everything is labor and toil. When you are young, you study, and when you're older, you have a family and labor and toil for providing for family. But this whole lifetime is about toil. But what meaning does all this toil have? What do people gain from all their labors? Uh, that is why he said, meaningless, meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That all labor and toil in life is meaningless and in, va in vain. However, the labor and toil of the righteous is not in vain and it will result in life. It says a labor of the righteous leads to life. In Proverbs 10.16, the labor of the righteous leads to life. Initially, Israel seemed like they were flourishing but we see how they were destroyed they because they did not have the right mindset and were cursed and struck as a result of their mindset. Um, they had a bad mindset and we see the result of that as bad fruit. Um, it, Jeremiah 6, 19, it says, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts. Um, so I, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, other versions say. So as they had evil thoughts, the result of that was bad fruit manifested in their lives, leading to destruction. 
then um, it says, They have put themselves to pain, but do not profit. But be ashamed of your harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. So if they labor, but not profit or gain um, nothing, uh, this will bring fierce anger of the Lord. So why would God be angered? Because they did not keep his commands for dismissing and disobeying his commands and thinking uh, one's own efforts will be enough. And this is what makes God angry. So though Israel had been flourishing and uh, prospering for some time, eventually they lost their sovereignty as a nation and many were taken as captives to other nations. But those who came back lived centered around the temple and gave worship and sacrifice there. It was during that time that a man named Jesus appeared. So Jesus appeared before the temple and what did he say? He said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. He said to destroy and raise back up and all that involved labor and toil. That if you destroy it, I will raise it back up, which was impossible. But the name contained in the temple was the name of Jehovah, which was the name of the God of Israel, the God of flesh. It contained the law that was the law of fleshly commandment. The law of fleshly commandments. To do things that he commanded was difficult as well as what not to do. This involved toil. So they were not to do many things for the flesh and that was very difficult and included a lot of labor and toil. And just keeping the law was difficult, but they also had to toil the land to make a living for themselves. And the result of that, it says in Ecclesiastes, everything is meaningless. That even if they kept the law well, the law of fleshly commandment well, the moment the flesh died, it was over and done. And that's why it was meaningless. And that is why Jesus said, destroy this temple. For when he dies and resurrects in three days, the name that is contained in him would be the name of Yeshua, the name of God. And the law that God gives is the truth, the truth. The law of God is to know the truth. That if you keep the command of the Father God, the command of Christ, is that beneficial? Yes, it is beneficial. Hallelujah. For the soul will be set free, and as an eternal free soul, you enter the kingdom of heaven where there is no labor or toil forever and ever to live in freedom, where there are no worries, no concerns, no labor, no toil. Do you want to go to such heaven? Do you want to go? Amen. If you ask someone what they've been doing lately and they say, I work every other day, are you jealous of them? Are you envious that they work one day and rest the next? But then they're so downcast as they don't have a steady job and are unemployed. Rather, it's better to get your daily wages and work. Isn't that right? So all who are weary and burdened, all who are weary and burdened, he said, I will give you rest. It is not of worldly matters and concerns, those who are worried, but those because of the law that are weary to come to him and he will let them rest and let them know the truth and they will be set free. Hallelujah. Even though it may be difficult while in the flesh, 
but they will make it to heaven where they would forever rest. Hallelujah. Then Jesus said, if you know the truth and do according to the command I give you, you will receive eternal life, eternal, the life of fruit. So all the trees or vines, uh, they look very similar, especially during winter. You can't distinguish them. But in the spring, when the flowers bloom and fruit grows, you realize, oh, it's that tree. So by the fruit, you can recognize uh, the tree or vine. So by the fruit, you can know the tree. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And the reason why fruit is important is because it showcases what the tree or vine is. You cannot get grapes from a fig tree, and you cannot get figs from a grapevine. Now, from a grapevine, you get grapes, and from fig trees, you get figs. But if you deceive yourself, thinking that you may get grapes from a bramble bush, that's an error. It's the wrong tree. If that vine isn't a grapevine, you cannot get a different fruit. And now turn to John chapter 15. Now we're talking about the fruit more specifically. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I said uh, several times to you uh, that the heart of the Bible. So uh, there are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament, a total of 66. But the heart of the Bible is the book of John. Then the heart of the book of John is John chapter 15. And the heart of that chapter is from verses 1 to 10, as we just read. If you understand this, you can become righteous branch and bear righteous fruit. If you remain in the righteous vine, then you will bear righteous fruit. How can fruit be different from the vine and the vine different from the branch? So you must remain in the right, you must remain attached to the righteous branch, the righteous vine to bear righteous fruit. Jesus said that he is the righteous vine, the true vine. So why did Jesus refer to himself as a vine? Some think it was perhaps that he was a gardener or that he liked grapes and had a vineyard. It does not mean that. So grapes have many uses. From grapes, they make wine. And there are many references like that. 
But when we say Jesus is the true vine, you are not to think of a grape vine literally. What this means is it's to display that Jesus is the righteous vine, the true vine that the Father is a gardener who wants to grow the vine. Why? So that he can bear fruit. So that he can bear fruit. For through fruit he will receive the Father will receive glory and they will become his disciples. So if Jesus is the righteous van vine and then we are righteous branches, uh, then that we are to become then righteous souls bearing the righteous fruit. Do you understand? And then it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So there is this relationship between the father, uh, the son and the vine and fruit. So God is the gardener. The father is the gardener. His role is the gardener that if the branch bears much fruit, he will receive glory. And if there is no fruit, he will cut every branch that bears no fruit and it will be thrown into the fire. So the vine will try to hold on to the branches as it came from it for they're directly related and in connection with each other. As for the father, the gardener, if he sees that there is no fruit, he will cut that branch off, cut off every branch that bears no fruit. And then he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. So you have to be attached in this way. The vine and branch be attached. And this is a life-dependent relationship for the branch to live, to remain in the vine and attach to it. That it's an inseparable relationship that you hold on for life. Even if there is a storm or hurricane, you hold on for life. To hold on for life and the fruit holds on to the branches and the branches hold on to the vine and the vine will hold on to those branches. So there are gusting winds that sound you hear are from the branches swaying in the wind. We know the wind is there. We do not see it, but we know that it's there for the branches make noise and are swaying back and forth. They are holding on for their life. Like a child saying to their mom, I'm holding on to you. So they are struggling and holding on for their lives. And like that is how we should remain attached. And it says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and weathers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That the gardener will receive glory through this and will be pleased by this. But now what's important here is showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus Christ wants to protect his disciples till the very end. For the disciples are the fruit of Jesus, the fruit of Jesus. Because after Jesus left, they continue to do the works of Jesus and continue to say what Jesus said and do what Jesus did and die like Jesus did. Except for Judas Iscariot, who was excluded from that, for 
he had a different heart, a different mind. But the rest, the 11 of them, they continue to do his work. Even though they may have made mistakes, they repented and came back. Even Peter, who made the grave mistake of denying Jesus, he repented and came back and was martyred and he was a true fruit of Jesus. Do you want to become a fruit? So the disciples followed until the very end in John chapter 15 regarding the vine, the branch, and fruit. We see the example here. For the vine, the fruit is very important. That even as small as mustard seed, it is very small, but if there is one good seed and it is planted, then it would become a great tree. That even if the seed is small, it becomes a great tree and birds flying in the air will come to find rest and shelter in it. So if you are a seed or fruit that the Lord is pleased by, then you will be one who possesses great faith that the world cannot overcome. Amen. Hallelujah. In another parable regarding a fig tree planted in a vineyard. So a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any uh, for three years, no fruit. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, uh, for, three, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any, cut it down. But uh, the man replied, sir, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. So the man uh, questioned why it was not bearing fruit for those three years and he said to cut it down. But um, then the man said he'll do anything. He'll dig and fertilize so that it bears fruit. So this is to show that a branch has to remain attached to the vine and it must bear fruit. So Kang Sung-gi must make a disciple like Kang Sung-gi and Shin Kyung-ho must make a disciple like Shin Kyung-ho. Do you think it's working? Amen? Everyone? Amen? So everyone must agree with this and say, that's right. Amen. If you have been coming here to church for 10 years, but, you're, but you have no fruit or no newcomers, and you come to church to worship and pray and go to other gatherings, but you do not have a disciple like yourself, is there a problem there? There is a problem. So I said the book of John is the heart of the Bible and especially this verse in John 15 that you must make disciples and your, dis and your disciples must make their disciples and this line must continue so that one more soul can be saved. And this is the desire of the Father, of God, and the will of the gardener. Amen. Hallelujah. The wheat will be gathered to take, be taken to the barn. However, however, the shaft, the shaft is empty. 
there may be signs of believing in Jesus um, in their way of life um, and how they live, but they may seem, seem like they do not sin and they're cultured, they're noble and kind people. Yes, it may seem like that on the outside, but inside, if there is no content, as the parable goes, the shaft will be gathered to be burned, meaning they will go to hell. So we have to wake up here. If you are a deacon, keeping your deacon position, yes, that's okay, but it's only a part of the faith life. You have to bear fruit. Make a disciple like yourself. So when I first received grace and was all hallelujah, I was evangelizing. Then because of some issue, I had to go to America and I told my pastor and um, he told me that you have to make a disciple like yourself, Deacon King, before you leave. And that statement was actually really shocking to me. I thought it was enough for me for just me alone to work hard and uh, live the, the faith life, but he requested to make someone a disciple as myself. And so I tried very hard to make disciples and only God would know if there were disciples made after me. But I think there may be at least one disciple like myself there. As a branch attached to the vine, are you a righteous branch? Then you must be a righteous fruit. And for that to become a true fruit, what is inside? There is a seed. And from the seed comes more. It, it's a fruit that has seed. So through it, another fruit can be born. It's not a seedless watermelon that's eaten and gone afterwards. But through the seeds for more fruit to come. Amen. And so when Jesus said, it is finished, he said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So as a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it will die and bear much fruit. Meaning, he, lay, he died. He lays down his life and it dies to bear much fruit. As a kernel of wheat falls to the ground, it will die and bear much fruit. So his death, first, it was to glorify the Father, and second, it was to condemn the devil. And with his blood he shed on the cross, he would redeem all mankind and forgive them. And those who receive this good news and hear it, their lives transform. And for them to become disciples of Jesus, he shed his blood. Hallelujah. He completed this work and ascended to heaven and now sits on the throne. And the result of righteousness, it says the labor of the righteous leads to life. And it says the fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. So peace, the result of righteousness is peace and the result of work or label, labor is peace. So when he died on the cross. He obeyed the word of the Father, and this was to testify his death was a righteous death. And when he died on the cross, and the result is righteousness. He was then risen back up in three days and ascended to heaven as the Prince of Peace, where there is no work, 
where there is no labor or toil in heaven. The life of Jesus was labor. It was toil after toil. Even fasting for 40 days, you can just imagine how difficult that must have been. You can't even do three days and want to die. It even pains me to see someone fasting. And I'm so sorry to request that the whole church fast. But when you are able, you must do and try so you can truly receive the fasting of Jesus Christ as grace and understand it. In order to become fruit and have that good seed uh, form in you, all this toil that, that he may command of us, whatever the toil, let us obey, therefore. Now he sent the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In churches, many churches, they teach about the fruits of the Holy Spirit and how once you're a believer, you must bear all the fruit and change in character. But while that is True, the reason for bearing all this fruit is so that you can bear more fruit, more disciples, more fruit. And so many churches preach about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and for people to have uh, goodness, joy, kindness, gentleness um, in their lives and become such human beings. And, and this is what they emphasize. But even the monks in the mountains can have such traits. But the reason for all this is so that we can bear fruit. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, church. Church is a place where we live the spiritual life. The spiritual faith life. Spiritual life. Faith life. You may think that you can live this faith life by yourself. Just reading the Bible yourself and singing praise and going to a mountain and keeping your faith by yourself. But why is there this gathering, this command of gathering? If there is no gathering, then there would be no persecution or oppression. And individually, people would have been living a comfortable life, believing in Jesus, who is full of love and grace and everything be, would be nice. But why was there this command to gather? Because of the gathering, people were criticized and persecuted and became subject to that. Why must we gather? Why must you gather? Why must you be a member of the church? You may say, I'm here at church. Isn't that enough? So, again, spiritual life, faith life, church life, church life. So church is a gathering, gathering, it's a gathering. Worship is not the only gathering, but the regional group and age group are gatherings. This is the life we live. And why must we live like this? It's written in Ecclesiastes 4.9, Ecclesiastes chapter 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. So we want to be rewarded 
when we go before our Father God. And it says here that what one can't do, when two are gathered, they can. It says it right here. So even with evangelism, going out in a group works. So this that is what we must do. Hallelujah. For what? To have a good return for labor, to bear fruit. I am a Christian. I am a Christian for such people. Romans chapter 7, 5. So for such people, Romans chapter 7, verse 5. It says um, that we serve in the new way of the spirit. So the to bear fruit. First, we must be fruit to bear fruit. So to bear fruit, do it in the new way of the spirit. Meaning you are not to do it out of force or even fear like they did under the law, but with your free will voluntarily and in joy, do it. Amen. And second, to you love souls and sincerity and goodness that you may be sincere in um, Philippians, it says that you may be sincere, um, may be pure and blameless. Uh, and sincerity and goodness is how you ought to bear fruit. And then third, peacemakers. It says peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Other versions say, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Which means you make peace. You must be a peacemaker. Uh, and you must make peace between brothers. Meaning, you are not to divide or instigate or separate. You must not mock or criticize your brothers. For when you do so, that is the start of separating and dividing. Rather, when there is such an event between brothers, you must be a peacemaker so that you may bring priests and reconcile and bear fruit through this process. Amen? So my whole life, I will not do the work of separating. You can say, so people say, did you hear about so-and-so? But inside of them, it's like the claws of a wolf trying to separate and divide and cut apart brothers who are trying to bear fruit and woe on such people. In order to become a righteous branch and bear the fruit of righteousness, you ought to do the work of bringing peace and holding on to other fruit and other branches. Also, those who are yet to be brothers in Christ, but our souls in the world, so our neighbors, everyone, all souls are subject to our evangelism efforts. So, and those are all subject, should be subject to our uh, efforts to share the gospel of peace. So we take on the shame and embarrassment and whatever the weather condition, rain or shine, we do the work of sharing the gospel to bear fruit. Amen. Now let us ask ourselves, in the eyes of God, are we seen as wheat or are we seen as shaft? Or in the eyes of pastor, do all of you look like wheat? 
Do you think the pastor thinks that? I, I truly wish for that for all members of our church, even the elders here, even if it is one talent, even if it is one talent carrying it out, all of us on the day of our Lord's return, when our Lord Jesus Christ returns, we will all be taken up as members attached to the pure bride. Even if it is one talent, we don't know what that one talent may be. Of course, that would include keeping the Lord's day, tithing and praying. Even if you don't have fruit, these are the basic requirements, the bare minimum. And when we carry it out, even if it's the bare minimum, if that is your one talent, I hope that we can all be found as wheat on that day. For wheat will go to heaven and shaft to hell. But if you don't even do the bare minimum, why come to church even? You may have wishful thinking that as God is love, wouldn't he spare you? As we know, when he comes back, he will come back as the judge. Will I find faith on earth is what he said. Will I find faith on earth? He will come to seek faith, the result of that faith, which is fruit. He is coming to find those who bear true fruit. All the shaft that was at one time attached, but are diseased or have fallen away. For 20 years they were attached but fell away in the end. Then it's no use for them. First, what's important? We have to remain attached to the righteous vine. Attached to the righteous vine. Jesus Christ is the vine and the church is the vine. The church. The church. The church that is recognized and acknowledged as the righteous church. Such church we must remain attached to. In other words, the pure bride of Christ that only preaches the truth and teaches according to the truth and guides according to the truth. And I try very hard to do so, to remain attached to the righteous vine, true vine, Jesus Christ, his body, the church, to be a branch that remains attached. A branch must not be separated. Every single moment it must remain attached. Amen? Not even for a second can it be separated. That if this is the church of truth, we have to remain attached until death, until the end. Amen? Maybe you were separated for some time, but once you come back, you must remain attached forever. Amen? And when you remain attached, you will bear fruit. Fruit! So we must bear fruit. We must have our own masterpieces. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. The masterpiece of the vine is the fruit. It showcases the fruit. Now when you look back on the past year, what am I to showcase? What is my masterpiece? For KM, there has not been much growth in the number of members. And it's very disappointing that though you put in the effort to evangelize, there are no Korean newcomers. But still, 2023 has been a meaningful year to me. Very meaningful. Regarding righteousness, this year, 2023, I have preached about it 50 times. That the most difficult topic to preach about, I've preached about 50 times this past year. And this is my masterpiece. This is what I can showcase. 
as I've prepared, I have come to a deeper understanding about, wow, this is what's written in the Bible. And all the more I came to understand and realize how much sin I have, then came to the conclusion that I am trash. That I am not trying to emphasize it, but I truly believe I am trash, that I am really the worst of sinners. And the more I know myself, the more I mourn. And that is why, as it says in the Bible, those who mourn will be blessed. And that true mourning is what I was able to experience. That there's not been a day that I've spent without mourning at least two hours. And on the Lord's Day morning, there's not much other prayer, but I just mourn. I'm just so happy for I realize just how evil and disgusting I am, how sinful I am. And the more I realize that, the more I love our Father God, our Jesus Christ. And when I leave this world, well will I leave behind? It will be the Church of Jesus. Because all of you are here, the Church of Jesus is here. And because I am here, the Church of Jesus is here. And even if I leave, I pray the Church of Jesus will not change and will continue to keep, defend, and teach the truth. That only the words of Jesus is truth. That Jesus is the maker and creator Jesus is our Father, Jesus is our Redeemer, Jesus is our King, and He will be the Judge who comes back. And to not subtract from or to add to anything and receive it as is. Even this year, we haven't seen much fruit, though we have not seen much fruit. I pray He gives us another year and chance, and if He does, we will labor and toil and for this i pray and for this i teach and for this i will guide so we can bear true fruit and wheat and this is how we close off 2023 all of us saints brothers and sisters we can truly leave behind fruit that jesus acknowledges and seeks and let us be such disciples let us pray